Hello, and welcome to Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. Hello, this is Don Griffith. Today we're rebroadcasting an interview recorded at the 2018 Spring Conference in Phoenix. Karen Nowicki of Phoenix Business Radio is there to interview our members, and she has graciously allowed us to use the recording. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio X, broadcasting live from the Sheraton Hotel, Crescent Hotel in Phoenix. And we are with Toastmasters Spring Conference. Blazing to success is the theme of the day with District 3 here in Arizona. And we have the fortunate opportunity to sit down for a few moments with Patricia Fripp, who was our keynote speaker today. And Patricia comes to us from San Francisco, and she is a presentation skills expert. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, Patricia. My pleasure. Oh, I'm so excited. So I had an opportunity to sit in uh, to the keynote this morning and uh, was taking notes, even though you said, listen, listen and, and have access to some of the slides and information. I like to learn and take notes. But And that is the best way. Even if you have reinforcement materials, which is what we have, and anyone listening who wants to see them would just go to fripp, F-R-I-P-P dot com forward slash handouts and see at least a framework of some of the information. There is, when you're writing what you hear or what you think, that is the best learning, assuming that you read your notes after. And I, I do. I haven't always, but I have made it a practice. Uh, I'm a former teacher and assistant principal years, years ago, early in my career. And even though technology uh, and the handheld gadgets and gizmos make it so much easier for us, I still love to handwrite my to-do list and listening and taking notes because there's something that happens for me as a learner, that engagement. And you're absolutely right. When I don't go back and look at those notes, it's lost as quick as it goes in. But if I interact with them and even sometimes move them to the computer, I, I know that I'm gaining that knowledge and re-experiencing what you uh, and other speakers have had to say. I'm with you. Yeah, love it. So uh, tell me, Toastmasters, uh, I, I've had an occasion to talk with a lot of folks today, some who've been Toastmaster members for 30 plus years, others who've only been uh, with the organization for a couple of years. What has been your personal experience and journey with Toastmasters? In 1975, I went into business for myself. At that time, I was a men's hairstylist. In fact, at the time, I was San Francisco's number one men's hairstylist. As I said to this audience, if you had been in the financial district in the 70s and 80s and you were a mover and a shaker, the chances are you'd been sitting in my chair. And one of my mentors, Ted Anstead, told me, you have to take the Dale Carnegie sales course because I was selling a product to other hairstylists. And then after that, I, I loved it, so I took the public speaking course. And then he said, you must go to Toastmasters to continuing having opportunity to practice. And I always tell anyone who asked, Toastmasters is the least expensive way to develop your skills in a safe, supportive environment. On an ongoing basis. And the price, the, the investment is it's so minimal. minuscule compared to the benefits that people get. 
Absolutely. Now, you had mentioned uh, Carnegie Training. I know we have National, National Spe- Speakers Association and plenty other yes, public... Yes, the National Speakers Association is for professionals who make their living speaking or have a real commitment to make a living speaking. And how is Toastmasters different then? Is it it's like for a life, the... life and day. So when my mother was in America, I used to say, Mother... This is Disneyland. This is not America. Mother, this is San Francisco. This is not America. Mother, this is Las Vegas. This is not America. So you can say it's all America and it's all very different. So Toastmasters is for people who want some basic skills and leadership. Now, many of the National Speakers Association members as I was, have started in Toastmasters, but this is a professional association. So Toastmasters, only if they wanted to get paid and they have made a major commitment, would join the National Speakers Association. It's a very important distinction because not everybody seeks to be a professional speaker and yet my belief is everyone can benefit from a Toastmasters oh, membership. In fact, It does not matter what your profession, what area you're in, to have a competitive edge, or as we would say from this conference, to blaze your way to success, you must. It will give you a competitive edge. It is the differentiator between you and someone who is equally smart and well-educated, is if you can be a good communicator. And do you have to arrive at Toastmasters at a certain skill set or level? No, you start where you are. We always start where we are. Now, at this conference, we had beginner, intermediate, and advanced presenters. And I always love it when people have never heard of me. They've never heard me on YouTube or any of my CDs or any other format And it doesn't matter if you're a novice, start developing the right skills because many of my coaching clients, and of course I make my living training in corporations, they might be good, but they have 30 years of bad habits that is more difficult than if you're, I'm a blank slate, teach me the best ways. So it doesn't matter what level you are, you can still learn from what might be considered, I would say, advanced information, not that it's that complex. Tell us about your courses and what you have to offer. For our listeners who aren't familiar with you, who are you and how do you, how do you serve the folks that you work with? Well, first of all, I find it absolutely amazing that people have never heard of me and they've had wonderful, successful, satisfying lives without me. Exactly. (laughs) However, once you have a little frip in your life, it is amazing what can happen. Well, I serve my, my, my clients multiple ways. As a professional speaker, I started as a keynote speaker. And there was a time I would deliver as many as 100 or 120 keynotes a year, major corporations. And I would say this advice, whatever your profession is, listen to your clients and they will tell you where to go next. I was speaking at a national sales meeting and the national sales manager came up and said, Patricia, I liked your speech. 
but I loved how you delivered it. Can you teach our salespeople how to speak that way? Because it takes us a year to be in a position to deliver an hour presentation in front of a hospital board. It is worth $9 million a year if we get the business. And we are losing sales. It has nothing to do with our price or offering. Our competition has better presentation skills than us. So little did I know when I designed that presentation that that national sales manager had just given me the key, the ingredient to always be in demand no matter what the economy up or down. So that's when I designed, I went into presentation skills training. Uh, so, so specifically how you use the the spoken word to drive your presentations because if everything else is equal, you've got great services or products, you've got wonderful references. Your price point probably isn't that much different from your competition. So when everything else is equal, as that national sales manager proved, your presentation makes the difference. It gives you the edge. And so I help with presentation skills, sales presentations. I help executives with their presentations. And for example, for some technology companies, I came here from... Another event where I coach through Zoom, which is video technology, 120 engineers, and they're around the world. And they speak at their customer conferences. So their audiences might be three to 500 people. And even though what they speak at about is very technical, I can still help them improve their presentations, even though I don't understand everything they're talking about, because they're technical people speaking to people who understand technology. And so then I go on site and I help not only some of the executives, I coach them on their delivery. Because when we're in Zoom, we're working on the scripting. Now, let me see how you stand up and deliver it. So I have big projects like that. I I have an online learning. So many companies, after they invest in personal seminars, presentation skills or sales presentations, understand that repetition and reinforcement, the way you maximize the investment in the training is repetition and reinforcement and self-study. So that's why we have the online learning for VT. And many people say, look, we got associates all over the world. We're never going to get together. And so most companies are demanding at least a percentage of the training, a high percentage is online. So with a lot of companies, I will even do a virtual seminar and they tune me into their boardroom or they come in from different boardrooms. Then they'll do some self-study with the VT. Then I go into each location and I coach them as if I were there. That's the magic of technology. But as I like to say, if your message must be memorable, your presentation powerful and your sales successful, Fripp can help you in person or online. Have you been doing this long enough that, um, and I think the answer is yes, that that technology really wasn't uh, giving you the ability to be in someone's living room or boardroom while you're back in San Francisco or in a hotel somewhere? Oh, definitely. When I started my career, I attended my first National Speakers Association convention in 1977. Oh, my gosh. 
And that was when and our national headquarters is in Phoenix of the National Speakers Association. So if anyone's interested, nsaspeaker.org is the National Speakers Association website. And I went because a professional speaker, I was a fan of his, said, Patricia, you must go to the National Speakers Association convention. And I've always been a great believer. If someone you admire and wish to emulate gives you advice, you don't ask how much does it cost you do it. Mm-hmm. And when I turned up, I thought no one's going to want to talk to me. I only talk to rotary clubs and, and hairstylists. And two situations appeared. One, I saw the vision of what was possible. I knew it was a long-term goal. So my goal was to be in a position, if I chose to, when my lease was up in eight years, to be in a position to be a professional speaker. The second situation was I got discovered by a big-time promoter who booked me to speak to 2,000 people on the same program with Dr. Robert Shuler, the minister from Garden Grove, who was a very big popular speaker at the time and some other top speakers. And I actually went full-time a year ahead of time when I became the first woman president of the National Speakers Association. So, in fact, when I started, when my shingle was up as a full-time speaker, there was no Facebook, there was no LinkedIn, there were no websites... And and younger people would find this amazing how we used to market. For example, the client I was just with for five days, the 21st consecutive five-day conference I've spoken at, Hmm. that was right after the technology one, he first hired me as a keynote speaker in 1987 because I belonged to the Convention of Visitors Bureau and when you're a member, you got the list of conventions coming in, we would write them a letter saying, would you like to hire a local keynote speaker, save expenses, Uh, send back the card. You want an audio tape. A lot of people listening don't know what an audio tape is, (laughs) a VHS or a press kit. I mean, this back and forth. So, yes, I started my career when there was no technology. However, I was an early adopter and adapter and... Now, of course, one, every, every aspect of promotion is now easier. Everyone can blog. Everyone can have a simple website. Everyone can have a few U- free YouTube channel. Everyone can be on LinkedIn. So obviously, you can perfect it. So as soon as mere mortals had a website, I had one. And of course, it's, 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 it changes over the years. But yes, technology makes every aspect of promotion and serving and having what is available for clients on their website in one place. So now, another... Earlier in my career, I could tell you where I was going to be 70% of next year. Now you get calls. Are you available in a month? And you can be. (laughs) Well, you can be if you're available. Yes. Now, the good news is, as an executive speech coach, as a presentation skills trainer, a lot of the work that I do, people now say, when can you do this for us? I love that. So... 80% of my life now, it's, I'd say, what month are you interested in? These are the weeks I could be on the East Coast. Wonderful. Yeah, so that makes life easier now at this point where uh, because of technology and 
longevity in the industry. I'm in the good fortune to have more demand for my time than I have time. And that makes it easier when you can schedule it. And Silicon Valley is a great consumer of what I do. Hence the reason why you're in that area. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Tell uh, us, as we kind of close out this segment, what has been your greatest joy in, in doing the work that you do all these years? Most Toastmasters would look at someone who travels, and I've had the good fortune delivering over 3,000 presentations on five continents to small audiences and large. And much though, it has been a great adventure seeing the world, seeing America, staying in nice hotels. The best aspect is the education. Learning about the companies and industries that I work with. As a men's hairstylist, I used to say, what made you the best salesperson in your company? What did your little company do that a big company wanted to pay you millions of dollars to buy it? So I used, and this would be the principle Opportunity does not knock once. It knocks all the time. We don't always recognize the sound. Anytime you have somebody, and I'm sure you find with your interviews, it is an education what you learn. So I used being behind my hairstyling chair with these movers and shakers from the financial district. That was an education. In fact, I said to my my staff once, you're interesting women. Why do you talk such a load of drivel when the best minds in the city are sitting in your chair? So I use that as an education and now just researching and doing interviews for my clients to understand them well enough to serve them makes me smarter for the next client. So although people say, well, it's staying in nice hotels or going to places you you might not have the chance to go... It would definitely be the education. I have been uh, broadcasting and an owner of, of Business Radio X just for a year now. Prior to that, an executive leadership coach. And I hadn't realized the gift that would come in listening to story after story, interview after interview with folks who are doing amazing things from someone who owns a window washing company with his college age son to a multi-billion dollar uh, CEO or president. I'm fascinated because every single day, I get to be sitting with the experts, the greats, and hearing what, as you pointed out, asking those questions, what's made you a success? What was the greatest challenge? How'd you overcome it? And my learning has accelerated rapidly. Fascinating. And that's what helps you fall in love with whatever your job is to get smarter, to learn something and think, well, well, how can I apply that to my business? And in case any of our listeners are thinking, well, this sounds fun, but I'm not a public speaker. (laughs) I would say outside the privacy of our own homes, all speaking is public speaking. If you are in the cafeteria pushing your tray along at lunchtime and the chief financial officer is pushing his or her tray next to you, that is public speaking. What do you say that makes an impact? In fact, in one of my sessions for the American Payroll Association, my 21st year, One of the exercises in selling yourself and your ideas is think of an important person in your company or perhaps your your community. 
It could be someone who's on the board of your directors of your company. People, you know who they are, but they aren't, but they don't know you. Imagine you're on the elevator and you're going to the 14th floor and the doors open and they get in on the second floor. You have 12 floors to make an impact. What is it you say? And my point is, and this is a fun exercise now, who is it? What would you say? It's, isn't it better to be prepared and not have the opportunity than have the opportunity and not be prepared? And as... Toastmasters or anyone who is ambitious and understands the importance of communication skills, I consider we have to be perpetually prepared because even those of us who have to have formal presentations, you every quarter you talk to your executive team or you're giving a presentation for your chamber of commerce to promote your business. You've got five minutes to tell your story. Whatever the formal presentations are, there are more frequent unplanned opportunities to speak. And when you understand the power of openings, the power of a, the power of a simple structure, and I would always say have in your back pocket great opening lines. So if someone said, oh, John, I didn't know you were going to be here. Why don't you come up and give us 10 minutes on your latest project? Have in your back pocket. You walk up to the front of the room, say, thank you for the opportunity to update you on our project. And on behalf of the 14 ambitious, dedicated members of the engineering team. So, I mean, these are in your back pocket. So this is the secret of being spontaneous. You have to have something prepared to say while you're thinking about what you're going to say. Jerry Lewis, the great late Joey Lewis, said, my best ad libs take eight hours to write. If you notice, I was walking down and my heel got caught in the step and I, I, I sort of ended up on my bottom on the stage. I mean, I didn't fall down the stairs, but it was obviously not planned. And I had a line, you know, she can, you know, I don't, but something. But you knew if that occasion were to arrive, you you would be ready. Yes. Yes. Doesn't matter how elegant she is, she's still a klutz. You know, and any time we make a mistake, nobody is going to be perfect. As long as a situation like that, you understand, especially a generous group like Toastmasters, they have an empathy for the speaker. So as long as it obviously doesn't bother you that you made a mistake and you ended up on your body, it won't bother them. You know, you create laughter. Oh, she's such, she might look good, but she's such a klutz. It's just, it's because we always want to be human. And in our presentations, of course, we're talking about the, the story. And this is for any leader listening. I always say I don't write speeches for people, although I really do. What, when I'm working with a leader, I ask them questions, pull their words out of their mouth, polish them up and pot them back and say, write this down and say this. And when I pull out by asking questions, personal questions, personal stories, the executives always say, well, do they want to hear this? And I say yes, because they will respect your position. However, to fight in the streets and work long hours, they have to see the person 
behind the position and these personal stories endear you. They they feel they know you better. So that is why a leader has to include personal stories if they want to deliver speeches that inspire action and commitment. I'm blown away. I'm so thrilled that we had an opportunity to speak on air today. And I really appreciate having an opportunity to listen into the keynote. Everything that you've shared are nuggets that benefit, again, someone who's just looking to communicate. And I say just, we all need to communicate and also the professional speaker. So thank you again for spending your time with us and wisdom and expertise. I, I, um, I'm so grateful for our time together. Well, good. And if anyone would like more information, yes, I was go ask. to FRIP. That's F is in Freddie, R is in Richard, I is in Isaac, Patricia, Patricia.com. And in my blog, there's free information, there's videos, there's so much that you can engage to help you no matter how you communicate. I'm glad you had mentioned that. That was something I thought of in the keynote. You are such a, a giver first. I noticed that, that you had spoke to briefly in the keynote, how much information is there available for maybe just someone who's looking to see if they might be a good fit for you. And even if they don't work with you individually at a corporate level or high level executive level, you've given so much free information that anyone can benefit. So thank you for that. There certainly is a legacy there and we dearly appreciate it. I know you're having a a fun day ahead, so we'll let you scoot to go do that. But again, on behalf of Phoenix Business Radio and District 3 Toastmasters, we sure appreciate your time and expertise today, Patricia. My pleasure. Excellent. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio with Business Radio X. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Toastmasters International and all other Toastmasters International trademarks and copyrights are the sole property of Toastmasters International. This podcast is independent of Toastmasters International. It is not endorsed by, sponsored by, affiliated with, or otherwise connected with Toastmasters International, other than for the use of the name Toastmasters International.